0: It's Brian Preston, the Money Guy, restoring order to your financial chaos. Retirement, investing, taxing. You've got financial questions, he's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the Money Guy. Hey guys, it's your host for The Money Guy Show, Brian Preston. I want to thank you guys, first of all, for all the well wishes about the, the newborn at our house. And you can probably tell i got a little more pep in my step um, uh, we've, you know, as I talked about it on the last show, we were kind of in survival mode. We still are to a degree. Yeah. As many of the parents in the audience know, when you're in the first three months of a baby's life, they don't exactly sleep too consistently in the evening. They kind of have their days and nights backwards and you're trying to work to get them on the same schedule as the rest of us. So we're working through it, but it is getting better. And I just want to thank you guys for throwing out all those well wishes and the emails and everything else. Now, let me tell those that are brand new to the Money Guy Show. I am your host Brian Preston. By day, I'm actually a fee-only wealth manager on the South Side of Atlanta, as I had a recently had a, a, a listener email me and say, "Thanks for um, making the South Side sound good," because they were actually from the same area we are here in McDonough, Georgia. Um, by, I, my training is I'm a certified public accountant, certified financial planner, and a personal financial specialist, which just means I'm a CPA that does financial planning, and I'm also a member of NAPFA, which is the organization of National Association of Personal Financial Advisors. We're the fee-only guys that you hear about. And um, if you want to go check us out, you can go check us out at money-guy.com, and you can write the show at brian, B-R-I-N, at money-guy.com as well. So with all that being said, I had to go ahead and get the house cleaning. Um, We're going to do a show today that's kind of exciting to me because I've kind of been getting mad. You've heard me talk about it on other shows is that I'm one of those guys that feels like I can stretch every dollar a little bit more than others. I want to be with that guy that maximizes every dollar that I make and get the best deal possible. There's nothing better to me. As I mentioned in the last show, you know, I'm buying baby food through alternate means like eBay and other things because I want to beat the system. And part of beating the system for me is also whenever I go shopping or doing anything, I like getting paid for spending money. And I've always used rebate credit cards, whether I'm getting frequent flyer miles in the past or getting actual checks from the credit card companies. But with this downturn in the economy of 2008 and a lot more pressure, a lot more defaults on the credit card companies, they've kind of started playing nasty. And what I mean by that is is that they've started acting like they really don't appreciate the business of some of their best people. And what I'm talking about with the best people, and I'm going to go ahead and put myself in that group, is that we are the guys that really beat the credit card companies at their own game. We're what they call deadbeat users in the fact that we pay off our debt on a month-to-month basis. But we love the rewards, and we also love benefiting the credit card companies because, remember, they make a percentage paid by the vendor who sells you the you – know, the, the, the person selling you the goods or the services that you are charging – they are paying the credit card company a convenience fee. So the credit card company keeps that, and then here we are getting 1% to 2% back in rebates, and that benefits us, so it's a happy world. We're all very pleased with what's going on. Well, the problem is is that credit card companies kind of got themselves in trouble. They're just like every other lending institution out there, mortgage companies, whatever, that got a little punch drunk on what was going on with the low interest rates and kind of overextended and brought on a bunch of people that they've really kind of left been been left holding the back and guess who they're trying to get to carry that weight for their bad choices in the past they are trying to hit up you and I the good guys who've been using our credit responsibly well I've kind of been ticked off because as you guys know I have um, the chase card They used to be called the Cash Rewards Plus. This card was awesome. This is why this card was awesome. I was getting five percent back for gas. I can't speak for gas, groceries, and drugstore purchases. You know, looking at how I spend my money, that's primarily what I I spend a lot of money on when I'm using credit cards is for gas and for groceries. So that was great. I was getting 5% back on that and then getting 1% back on everything else. So I was knocking the bottom out of these rebate checks. Well, I get an email end of last year. Not an email. I actually got a letter in the mail from Chase. And they, they presented it like they were doing me a favor. It's because now instead of having expiration dates on my points, they were going to be good forever. But... That cost of getting points that are good forever was instead of making 5% back on gas, groceries, and pharma you know, when I go to the drugstore, now I was only going to get 3% back on specific things that they had specials that you had to go sign up for. And I'd get 1% back on everything else. And because of this great opportunity they presented me with, and instead of my, f- my card being free to me, I was now going to have to pay $30 a year. Man, what a great opportunity Chase has presented me. Well, after I talked about that in one of my shows, I got a lot of emails from you guys saying, Hey, you got the same thing. And it's not cool. And then what was great to me, after you guys have contacted me and said, Hey, I'm getting hosed on this thing too. you know, what should, Where are you moving your money to, Brian? What's going on? Um, I've been looking around, and I actually have changed credit cards. And then I was also very lucky that this month's Consumer Reports the November 2009 issue of the Consumer Reports actually has an entire article on how you can fight back from the credit card companies. And I was pleasantly surprised to find that the card that I had switched my, my my purchasing over purchasing power over to is one of the cards that they listed. And I didn't want to share that card with you guys until I tried it out first. So I was kind of pleased that I'm kind of getting back up here from Two different places for my own personal use as well as I'm getting, you know, support from what Consumer Reports says. So now I'm, I'm feeling very comfortable about opening it up to you guys in the public to know what a good card you might want to consider using. So let's first kind of frame the picture on what's happened here and what's going on within the credit card industry. And I'm not going to just focus on the guys um, you know, like myself, who are the deadbeat credit card users who pay off their bill every month. I'm also going to tell you what happens if you're one of those accounts that, yeah, you, you, you don't have a, You have less than $10,000 on your credit card, but and you pay the monthly consistently and on time. You're a very responsible credit card user. But what do you do now that they've raised your interest rates and your minimum payment that you have to make every month? And now it's squeezing your cash flow. What do you do? And then what do you do if you're one of these people that does have a credit card balance that's well over $10,000 and you're really being squeezed by the credit card companies? What do you do? Well, don't worry. Credit, consumer, consumer Reports, as well as the research we've done, we're going to try to help you out through this process. So let's go ahead and focus on what we can do to get you through all the, the bad behavior of our credit card companies. And one of the, th- the stats that I found very interesting from this article titled, Take Control of Your Credit Cards, that was done in the the November 2009 Consumer Reports, was they had a whole chart here on talking about how much credit card debt there was. And this actually warmed my heart a little bit because it made me realize, hey, we're not in as bad a shape as everybody thinks we are. and Maybe this is because of the state of how bad things were in the past. People are tightening up the hatches on the personal front to make sure they're making smart decisions. There's about a third of Americans who do not even own a credit card, according to Consumer Reports. But of that 60, you know, that two thirds that do own credit cards, 54% of them are just like me and pay their balance off at the end of each month. So that's pretty cool. If you think about that, there's, you know, there's a third that aren't even using credit cards, meaning they're cash transaction type people. And then there's two thirds that are using credit cards, but of that two thirds, over half of them. So that's another third. So if you think about that, that means two-thirds of you out there, a little over two-thirds of you, are using your cards very responsibly. That, that's awesome. That means half, of, you know, over, over two-thirds of the Americans using credit cards are actually not abusing this thing. So we're not all drunk on debt, credit cards anyway, like some of the media and other things have played us up to be. So that, that actually warms my heart a little bit to hear that. But of that two-thirds that's using credit cards, there are 13% that have balances over $10,000. The average median balance for those people over ten thousand is 17,366. Of people who have balances under ten thousand, that's thirty three percent of that two thirds. Their average balance is about two thousand five hundred fifty four. Those are people that can recover, but there's definitely level of dissatisfaction that is growing. They did, like I said, they did. Consumer Reports did this survey, and what they found out is, is there's twenty one percent of those who surveyed that said they were treated unfairly by credit card companies. You know, if they asked me, I'd probably say I was unfairly unfairly treated too. So I'd have been part of that 21 percent because, here I'm doing everything I can for these guys. You know, charging monthly, paying my bills on time, and then they reward me. I know there's, I know I'm still profitable to them because the spread between what they make off of my transactions and what they pay me, it, they're making more than they're paying out to me. So I'm a profitable client to them, but yet they're, they they still are not respecting our relationship. So I I don't think that's a fair trade- off so I'd have been part of that twenty one percent There was only forty one percent that said they were highly satisfied with their card issuer. I don't know who those people were unless they're just the the people who are paying their bills monthly and not paying attention to the changing terms. it said um and I thought this was interesting kind of it ties into that warming my heart thing as it said by it said by a ratio of four to one respondents said they were charging less than they did a year ago, and 32% said they paid off and closed cards since January of 2008. So we are tightening those belts. We are doing what it takes to make it through this hard market that we've been through, this hard economy, and we're deleveraging ourselves, just like corporations and banks are having to deleverage and get rid of that debt. Hey, as as individuals, we're doing it as well. There is a new federal law that's coming into play in next February that will force issuers to be kind of more consumer-friendly. But since it doesn't come into play until February, you're seeing a lot of credit card companies are going ahead and making adjustments now so that they can go ahead and grab and squeeze a little bit more profitability out of their existing cardholders until these regulations kick in in February. They're kind of nickel and diming you to go ahead and make back the money that they're out from the bad economic um, things that occurred to them in 2008 as well as the money they think they're going to lose by these changes that are going to make their agreements more consumer friendly. So they're kind of hitting things out there as much as they can right now. Now there was an analysis of what's going to happen um, based upon, because it goes into what what the, the downturn in revenue to these credit card companies, what that has turned into your APRs. There's a group called the Tower Group, they're a financial research company in Massachusetts, and they said that Average annual percentage rates are expected to rise to 19% from about 14% today. And then um, even though consumer interest rates are at all-time lows, you know, on mortgages and everything else, and it says plus 27% of cards that were issued so far in 2009 carry annual fees, and that's up from 18% in 2008. So you can very quickly see what credit card companies are doing to kind of build up that revenue. But let's actually talk about, what you do to protect yourself. And we're going to play this off if you fall into one of those three categories. And everybody falls into those three categories unless they're, you know, part of that percentage that doesn't, that third that doesn't even have a credit card. But other two-thirds that use credit cards, you're one of these three people. The first is the on-time payer, the person who's paying their balance off on a month-to-month basis. And um, as I told you, that's that's over half of the people who use credit cards, which is very cool. But this is what I caught on to a long time ago is that the um, rewards really aren't as rewarding as they used to be. It used to be great that you could make you know, consistently uh, as a percentage of your total expenses. I could consistently get back 2 to 3% just because I was maximizing the 5% back. I was getting back on the groceries, gas, and then the drugstore purchases. So I was consistently getting back somewhere between 2 to 3%. Well, now that's not the case because now they're making you, if you want to get that advantage um Rebates or you know rewards on specific areas like restaurants or. Um Big box discount retailers. You have to go to the, the website of the credit card company and usually sign up. Ch- you know, Discover does this. I know Chase is now doing this. And this is making it much harder. There's barriers to entry to you getting the best deal possible, which is never good. Um, and you're also seeing this with some of the the frequent flyer you know, cards, the, the the miles rewards cards. It used to be twenty-five thousand points with a lot of the cards to get a domestic flight. Citibank and Capital One have now increased that on a lot of their cards to forty thousand miles or points points before you can get that ticket. And if you want to eliminate blackout dates and availability restrictions, it's going to go up to 50,000 points. Well, if you do that as a percentage, you can see very quickly that with 50,000 points with a lot of cards, you could get $500 back. Well, plane tickets, you know, they're super cheap right now. So I don't know if you're really, it's probably better to take the cash. Also, if you, um, a lot of the cards are changing the policy where if you have two consecutive late payments, Discover the Discover card has changed their policy where you're going to lose all of your frequent flyer miles if you make two late payments. That's kind of scary. What if you get into some tough times? Or I'll tell you, what, I can tell you something that personally happened to me, is that I remember when I moved from one address to another. When I this was probably about five or six years ago, the credit card bill, you know, didn't get changed over. And it's my fault. I'll admit it. I didn't change over that that address that the bill was being sent. And, you know, in the move, you kind of got so many things going on in your life. You don't think about all the bills that you got. I know I have a gazillion bills coming in and out, and I just didn't think about what was going on. This is before I was using PayTrust to kind of organize my, my bill pay service and have all the bills sent directly to the bill pay company. Well, at the time, I changed my address, forgot that I had not paid, and it, it probably went on a month to two, And I got, um, you know, I went and used a credit card, and it was denied. And it was because I had not changed my address, so I didn't get the statement, so the bills didn't get paid. I very quickly called the credit card company, told them what had happened. They, you know, took away all the fees. We got everything all paid off and reinstated. But things like this can happen. Life happens. You know, maybe you have something going on in your life. Um, You know, somebody's ill. You have big medical bills, and you get behind on something. I just hate that you're going to lose everything that you've accumulated for a number of years off of a misunderstanding or a miscommunication. Now, maybe they'd fix it, but they don't have to. Their policy says they don't have to give those miles back. Also, um, you have to realize a lot of credit card companies during the really good times, without you asking, went out there and increased your credit limit. It wasn't uncommon that you had a $10,000 credit limit that somehow has ballooned up to $30,000. Well, now that they've looked at their balance sheets and said, oh, my gosh, you know, I know he's not using this credit limit, but we've got to tighten up how much exposure we have out there. So a lot of the credit card companies are now cutting what access, how much money you have available on your credit limit. So instead of you having that $30,000 credit limit, they might cut you back down to ten. Well, when they do that, there's an unintended consequence. It actually hurts your credit score because to Equifax and the credit rating agencies, it looks like you have less availability of credit. And then that's a negative for your credit score. So you didn't do anything to cause this. This is just the policy of the credit card companies that can cause you trouble. So what do you do if you have these issues? Is that you need to use your rewards quickly. I'm having that, you know, I've got this Chase credit card that they moved me. They closed down this Cash Rewards Plus, not even available to me. Now they've given me this Chase Ultimate Rewards Freedom card that's not worth a poop compared to what I was getting. And they're charging me $30 a year. Fortunately, they're waiving the first year. Man, isn't that nice of them? Um, that $30 fee, but what I'm doing is, is I'm going ahead and pulling out all my rewards. And it's going to be in the next month when I maximize all those rewards. I'm going to call Chase up and say, hey, move me to a card that doesn't have an annual fee. Because I don't want to be a part of this card anymore if it's going to start yanking that fee out. Um, and then I've, I've already got a, a card that I'm using as my primary card, and I'm going to explain what, you, what that is in a minute. But step two, so go ahead and use those rewards. That's step one. Step two is... Choose cash back over points or miles. I've already told you how they're killing you on those on those miles now. It doesn't make sense. Cash is king when it comes to reward cards right now. So go ahead and find you a card that's going to pay you straight cash versus miles because they're making the miles where they're not valued as what they used to be. Um, step three is if you pay an annual fee for your rewards card, make sure you use it enough to make it worthwhile. Consumer Action, which is a group that you know kind of goes out there and makes sure people aren't getting ripped off, found that you need to spend $10,000 on an American Express Delta SkyMiles card with a $150 annual fee to get $100 off a Delta flight. So did you hear that? So you spend $10,000 to get $100 off a Delta flight. So they basically gave you 1%. Meanwhile, you paid $150. So you're actually out $50 net if you think about that. So make sure if you're paying an annual fee on your card that you're getting more out of it than they're taking from you. And then it says, look for off-the-beaten-path beat, rewards cards um, that, that might be able to offer you more. And I'm going to get into which those two, you know, which cards they recommended in just a second. And then um, it, it said, consider the, the last step it, it offered. It said, consider having your savings account and credit cards at the same place. Chase and Citibank pay additional rewards for customers who also bank there. So that's something you might want to consider. So that's what you do if you're a month-to-month Pay off your bill and kind of take advantage of the rewards and I'm going to tell you some of their best options in just a second the next type of card holder is the low balance card holder they're the person that has less than ten thousand dollars probably on average according to consumer reports probably around two thousand five hundred and fifty four dollars they um, always make their minimum payments but now because credit card companies are now instead of you having to pay 2% back as your minimum payment, maybe you've increased it to 5% like Chase has, it's starting to squeeze you. Or maybe they increased your interest rate up from 12 to 13% all the way up to 27 to 29%. What do you do? You need to consider rolling over those balances to cards issued by credit unions or even maybe regional banks because credit unions are capped at, by law, 18% on their credit cards. Most people don't realize that. So if you're paying 27 to 29%, Go look at a credit union. I've always told you, you, go get great service from credit unions over banks in a lot of areas anyway. Um, we have great relationships with some of our local credit unions, including Gwinnett Federal Credit Union. If you're a Georgia resident, go check them out. I know the, the president very well, great guy, and I think that could serve you well to go check out your local credit union and see if they can help you out on the credit cards. Don't think about them just for your loans and you know, in a savings account. They might be able to help you out on the credit cards um, because a lot of these rates are going up close to 30%. And if you could say that 12% there, that's going to help you out. Step two is you also want to make sure that the APR and the fee for transferring a balance is reasonable. Virtually all balance transfer offers now come with a transfer fee, and a lot of them are climbing up to where they're getting to be 5% of the balance that you're transferring. That's outrageous. So make sure before you do do that transfer that you're smart and pay attention to what that transfer fee is because it's not going to help you out if you incur this huge upfront fee to make that transfer. If you're planning a major purchase that you'll need a year to pay it off, consider switching to a card with a low introductory rate. And then finally it said read all notices from your credit card issuers. If your terms are changed, you can opt out of those new terms. Just realize they're going to cancel and close your account, but you're going to be able to pay that balance off under the old terms. And that's important because they they give an example of a, of a, a woman who took a courtesy check from one of the credit card issuers, bought a car with it because she had a very large you know, available credit, and then was treating it like she had a car payment of like $250, 300 a month because she was going to pay it off over three to five years. Well, then they came in, instead of the minimum payment, they required, they pushed that minimum payment from 2% to 5%, and her car payment went from instead of 250 a month up to like over 600 and it was starting to squeeze her. Well, th- that's why you can go, if you got caught in that situation, if somebody sent you that, they were changing the terms... You might be able to opt out of them, but it's just they're going to make you stick to the old terms and close your account. So that's what you do if you're one of those low-balance cardholders. Now, if you're one of those people that's got over $10,000 in credit card debt and you're using your credit card kind of live month to month and you have, you know, on average $17,000, 25% of people are, according to the survey, who were in this group, said they have no idea when they're going to be able to pay off their credit card. That's kind of a scary thing, people. i got to tell you, you want to be in control, control of your own destiny. And if you don't know, a quarter of you don't know how you're going to pay off, that, that's kind of scary. That means you're kind of flopping out there at the will of some big corporation. Or, or, and and that's, that's not you taking control of your own personal finances. And that's not you know, the whole secret of what you're, the goal that you're trying to reach is financial independence. Well, financial independence, independence by itself means you completely control your destiny. You know where you're going. Well, there's a good number of them out there that are in this group 25% of the people with these large balances. They don't know when they're going to pay them off. That's scary. And those are the people who probably need to be most critical of what they're spending their money on. What well, I thought it was very interesting in this article is it said of this group, the medium income was actually greater than $75,000. So this is not poverty level people here who have these large balances and it went on to say almost half were college graduates. So these are well-educated people well above the poverty level and they're still getting themselves in a lot of trouble. So what can they do to get themselves out of these situations? Step one is negotiate with your card issuer. 13 percent of our survey said that their issuer initiated offers of payment plans, reduced interest rates, or debt settlement programs to get the balances paid off. This is something you need to be careful of. If they offer you a deal you need to be careful because some of these offers they're offering you could really have a negative impact on your credit score. It it says if you pay off the entire amount through a debt management program, your score is not going to be affected because all they did was control and worked with you on interest rates and other things. But if they it goes on to say if your creditor agrees to settle for less than the full balance, there could definitely be a negative effect on your credit score. And it could but it, it's definitely better than you defaulting. So you need to make sure that it's you balance If you take it paying off less than you actually owe, they're going to ding your credit report. But know that that is better than filing bankruptcy or having a default. Um, You just have to kind of analyze your personal situation to see where you fall. And it says also look out for these debt settlement scams. I got to tell you, I go to a local haircut place called Sports Clips. I mean, I know they're all over the place, uh, but they're franchised. But I go to a local Sports Clips, and they have um, ESPN and... All these sports channels on the TVs while you're getting your cut. its a great, great concept. But what I find interesting when I'm sitting there getting my haircut is that while they're watching ESPN and Sports Center, I tell you every commercial—it's not about you know selling sporting goods or anything else. It's now this debt service—you know—they have somebody who's a debt settlement—you know—who's going to tell you how you can pay pennies on the dollar on any debt that you own out there. Those are scams, people. I'm just shocked that they—they they must be very profitable because. In a a matter of getting a haircut that takes probably 10 to 15 minutes to get a haircut, I see at least six of those commercials. Kid you not. So I'm I'm telling you that these are scams. They're going to get you in trouble. They're going to go out and negotiate. If you want to negotiate with a credit card company, you need to do it directly. If you don't feel comfortable doing that, go talk to a credit counselor through, um, there's a great organization, the National Foundation for Credit Counseling. Their website is nfcc.org. But don't go work with one of these, um, these scams that are out there that are going to charge you a fee. I mean, you're already in debt and in trouble. Why do you want to go pay somebody a several thousand dollar fee to go negotiate directly with the credit card company when you could do it yourself? That, that's dangerous. Be careful, guys. Also, it goes on to say if you're one of these people that has a high limit, you know, you've got over $10,000 in credit card debt, leave the card at home. You know, this is tying into what Dave Ramsey says all the time. It says, a University of Maryland and New York University study found that people who used cash instead of plastic generally spent less. So now that I've kind of laid out what you want to do, let's get into actually the meat of what cards you might want to consider because they actually talk about specifics. And I'm going to tell you which one I actually use. And they break it out by people who are in different needs. If you're one of these balance transfer people, um, you know, you need to transfer things over, they they talk about the American Express Clear Card, um, the PenFed Visa Platinum Card, and then the Peoples United Bank Platinum Mastercard, and then it la- labels interest rates. Their interest rates on all three of those cards was somewhere between twelve point two four to seventeen point two four. You know, with a lot of them falling on the thirteen point nine nine area. So reasonable rates, you know, considering that a lot of credit card companies are now going up to twenty seven. Close to 30% on their interest rates. So that's for people who need to make balance transfers. Um, low rate credit cards for people who carry, regularly carry a balance, you might want to go look at um, Simmons First Visa Platinum. And then there's um, Iberia Bank Visa Classic. And what those people do is that they have interest rates that range on Iberia Bank, spelled I B E R I A Bank, um, Visa Classic. Their interest rate is somewhere between 8.75 to 15 and a quarter. And then the Simmons First Visa Platinum is at seven and a quarter variable rate. So you can see those are much, much lower than where most credit card companies, the big credit card companies, are going these days. So you might want to go look at those. For cra- cash back cards, this is me. I fall into the cash back. I'm always looking to get a little bit of an edge. Uh, it just goes into that stretching the money. Um, they, they like the American Express Blue Cash which has an interest rate of 11.24 to 17.24, but they have cash rewards of 5% and one and a quarter on new purchases after charges of $6,500 a year. Below that, you'll get 1% and 0.5%. So um, I actually use the American Express Blue Cash for the business um, one of my business cards that we have here, not my favorite card though. I mean, because I, I don't like that I have to spend sixty five hundred before I really start getting that bang for the buck. But that, that's it's listed on here. They also talk about the Capital One No Hassle Cash Rewards. What that does is it gets you two percent cash back on gas and groceries, one percent on everything else, unlimited cash rewards, and they never expire. So they like that one. And then here's the one I actually use. It's called the Fidelity Rewards American Express. Now I know American Express is not. Used by, you know, it's not taken everywhere. But what I do like about American Express is remember, they offer some of the best product protection out there. When I, you know, on those free um, warranties that you can get, they extend your warranty coverage on a lot of these cards. But the Fidelity Rewards American Express has, listen, this is why I like it it's unlimited 2% cash back on all purchases. So instead of playing this crazy game where, you know, this month travel, you get, you know, an extra kick back, but next month it's something else like going to the movies. Now it's just 2% on everything. Man, isn't that easy? 2% on everything. That's what I'm using. I'm using the Fidelity card. Now to do these type of cards, you do have to have a Fidelity account because what they're going to do is they're going to automatically transfer over the rewards and $50 checks to your account automatically um, whatever you already have set up at Fidelity. So you can go check that out. Fidelity Rewards American Express. I actually have... If um if you were interested in that card, I've got the phone number and everything. I went because, like I said, I'm familiar with this card. Um, bear with me, flipping through pages, sticky fingers. Um, If you did that, all you need to do is call one eight six six five nine eight four nine seven one, 598 4971 or go check it out on the Internet. Like I said, it's called the Fidelity Re- Retirement Rewards American Express card. The reference priority code when you call that 1-800 number is U-A-A-S-T-L. U-A-A-S-T-L. And they also mentioned um, the Schwab Invest First Visa, and that has unlimited two cash back on all purchases. So Schwab and Fidelity kind of having a shootout um, for their investment clients to see who can have the best. But what I like about both those cards, both the Fidelity and Schwab, is it's 2% on everything. That's great. You don't have to get caught up in what what do I get. You don't have to go sign up. You just get 2%. And that's what I'm doing now. I'm using that. I think it's very powerful And I think it can um, work for you instead of playing these crazy reindeer games that a lot of the credit card companies are now offering. So I hope that helps a lot of you guys to know how to go battle back and do what you need to to protect yourself. Because if credit card companies aren't going to appreciate you, vote with your feet, go leave them, go, you know, go do what you need to. Now, I'll tell you, one thing you heard me say about my Chase card is I'm not closing it down. I'm actually going to switch over to another credit card company, another credit account that they probably have at Chase. And the reason I'm doing that is is that my Chase card is the card I opened right after I graduated from college. So it's 1996 is when it has listed as I became a member of using, it wasn't Chase at the time, but they've been acquired by Chase. So I'm not going to close that account down because remember, I don't want you to hurt your credit score. When you close an account that's, remember a lot of your credit report is by the length of your credit history. So when you close down a very old account, it can have a negative impact on your credit score. So I'm taking note that my Chase account, even though they've changed terms and now want to charge me $30 a year, um, I'm not gonna close that account down because it is my oldest credit card account that I have on file. What I'm gonna do instead is call the customer service, ask them which Chase card that they have that doesn't have an annual fee and still seems acceptable to me I'm just going to switch my account over that. Not close the account, just switch because I don't want to impact my credit score because, you know, you work long and hard to build that credit score up. You know, be careful and don't hurt yourself, you know, and have an unintended consequence to yourself on that whole process. Also, I want to thank you guys for giving me some feedback on the fair tax. You know, y'all have been very favorable and very friendly with me. I know there's probably some people that are disappointed, and upset but i i just wanted to be open with you guys about the, my thoughts with the fair tax you know it, it's one of those things that it's a concept, and I don't know if we any of us know really how this thing is going to work out, but I think it's it's good that we're having a healthy discussion, and I'd encourage you to go listen to that show and then leave us some feedback if you want to give some input. I also had a listener write me and say, Hey, Brian, can you just review with everybody that website for finding checking and money market accounts in your area, banks that are offering higher-than-average yields? And That website was checkingfinder.com. That's CheckingFinder.com. Now, I will tell you, because of what's happened in the economic environment and the tough situation that banks are in, I went and went to the website before I decided to give it out to you guys again just to see what's going on with CheckingFinder.com, and I was kind of surprised to see locally there's really not any players around me anymore that are offering great deals because I think down here in Georgia our banks are struggling probably more than most. So I'd have to go with a national bank account to to get some of these really great deals, and that's fine. You you still have the same FDIC protection. It's just whether or not you want to deal with a local bank versus a national bank. Um, But they do have a great option there where if you don't have a local, you can check a box and give them your email address, and they will email you if a a local bank option does kind of pop up in the future. So take that into account if you're trying to figure out with all these cash savings now that you deleverage yourself and you want to know what to do with your money. Consider going to CheckingFinder.com. Also, Bankrate.com is another great place to see what high-yield money markets that you can you can get out there. Just make sure you you don't exceed the FDIC limit. Um, you want to protect yourself as a consumer. But hope you've enjoyed the show today. I've enjoyed providing the information. And um, if you like what you hear, go give us some feedback out there on iTunes. Also, feel free to email me. You can email me at brian, B-R-I-A-N, at money-guy.com. You can also go check out show notes, money-guy.com, and I'll talk to you guys in about a week or so. Talk to you soon. The Money Guy podcast is hosted by Brian Preston, and Brian Preston is a partner with Preston & Cleveland Wealth Management.